Good morning once again. If I missed you earlier, my name is Wayne. I'm the pastor here at DCC, and uh, welcome to Nimbus Art Center. We, uh, we've been here now a year and a half, uh, and so we love, this is a ballet company here, and uh, we love how our rent money can impact uh, the local community. It's something that we've wanted to be able to see from the beginning, and so we've been a church family. We started in uh, Easter, on Easter of 2015, and so we're approaching eight years on Easter of this year, uh, which is amazing to think about. Time flies, and, uh, and so one of our hopes for you is as you pursue Christ, um, we want to love the city as we've been loved by Him, but we also want to create a place for you to be connected and uh, have a, a family here in this city, whether you're here for a year or for 10 years or your whole life, and so you were invited to connect with us. And this month, we have been engaging in a conversation about happiness, and we're discovering and learning what it means to be happy, because God wants you to be happy, um, but it's a little bit counter to how we typically pursue it. Have you ever uh, planned a vacation or gone on a vacation, and it didn't quite work out as you planned it? That's probably happened. Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, my family and I, we went to the beach. We, uh, we went to a place down the shore here, and it was coming out of the, the hard part of the pandemic. I don't know. It was all hard, so who knows? Anyway, but, the, you know, so uh, it was really, it felt like the entire world was trying to go to the shore, and so it was, it was tough to even find a place. We were booking early in all the places we knew to look for. Uh, that we, you know, we knew about, but they were all full, and it was crazy. And so I spent hours researching this and going through listings, and you guys have done this, I know. And, you know, I'm trying to find a place that fit our budget that was, you know, the thing we needed. Out, we wanted some outdoor space to grill and, and be near the beach, uh, and, you know. And so all that was hard to do. And we found a place. We were excited about it. We looked at all the pictures, all, all the things that you typically do. And so we go to the beach. We uh, we get there, we arrive, and uh, it wasn't quite as it seemed on the pictures. You know, right when we walked in, the furniture wasn't great, and then it smelled like a wet dog. Um, you know, I love pets. I love you know, I love I love dogs and cats. And, you know, everything. And so, but but uh, it had been raining a lot the week before, and it was a pet friendly place, and we could tell. <laughs> and I was like, oh no, and then. They were supposed to have a fully stocked kitchen. You know, you read that. Well, they didn't even have a bottle opener. It was not fully stocked. And we we're like, so that was strike two. And then, and then right about that time, you know, stress levels going up, uh, several cars pull up to the house. And I swear, like 10 college students come pouring out of it, come bounding up the stairs into the unit above us. <laughs> I love the, the whole thing. Oh, and that's what I felt like. And, and so our kids were super excited. They're checking out the place. They're unaware of anything. They don't, and, and we're like, my, Aaron and I, my wife, we're like stress levels going way up. And I'm assuming the worst. Like they're doing a, a new version reboot of the Jersey Shore, and they're filming upstairs, right? So like this is what's happening. And, and so, you know, it, it, so it was, it was interesting. And, you know, in the, in the, Aaron was trying to calm me down. She's like, listen, you know, it's just... You know, it's a holiday weekend, and when I was in college, you know, you only could book places for a week, so we would just, on a holiday weekend, we had time off, we just booked the whole thing, and they will probably, most of them be gone. You know, she's just trying to, like, find something to help lower the stress, and I'm in the backyard later, and I'm looking up there, and they're, they've already started the party. They're up on the balcony, 
And, and there were parents, there's two parents there, and I was like, that's strange. I wasn't expecting that. Of course, they eventually left, but, but I'm like staring at everybody. I'm like daggers. I'm like the dad down there, and I'm like, I just want you to know I see you. You know, like, I will call the owner. I won't hesitate, and, you know, flipping the burger. And then, it was interesting enough, at the end of the week, I did meet the owner when we were checking out, and I recognized him. He was the parent on the balcony partying. Like, so even if I had ever called the owner, he was like, it was, it was, it was interesting. So, but you know, Aaron was right. She was right. She, uh, they, it was holiday weekend and almost everyone of them left except for a couple. And, and so at the beginning of the week, and we actually slept that weekend and uh, it worked out, you know, the, we got autographs with the, the, the people that were there and got to meet them and uh, the crew and took pictures with the, the cast of the show. It was great. So everything worked out. Um, that was supposed to be a joke and it didn't land. Yeah. I think you guys believe me. Like, uh, no, I didn't talk to them. I didn't like them. They were my enemies from day one. So it's hard to be happy, isn't it? Like, you plan all this. I spent so many hours like, we are never going back to that place. Here's the thing. Uh, my kids had no clue to do this. No clue. They, were, they had the best week. I mean, I had a great week. I eventually, re- eventually relaxed. Um, but it's hard. And what we've learned in this series, and I'll do a, a quick recap, is as, as you plan for this year, what you really are trying, you want to be successful. You want to have happiness. And, and whether you're being intentional about it, and some of you are great about that, and you don't have to plan everything in January, but it's, a, you know, it's typically what we like to do. And I'm not necessarily talking about New Year's resolutions, but as you think about the year, you want to be, have success and you want to have happiness. And so, uh, and and. And whether you're intentional or not, at some point, you will be successful now. You will have something happen, and, and you'll either be happy or not because of the circumstances around it. And so you and I just need to have, be challenged about how we think about what success is and what happiness is. And we've been looking at Jesus' teaching because he talks about what it means to be happy. And so here's what we've learned in the first couple, three weeks here. And today's the series finale. Uh, but we've learned that happiness is counterintuitive. What you think is going to make you happy, bring you pleasure, and all these different things is, is not what, it, what we typically would do. And so that means that you, you will pursue happiness to the detriment of your well-being, which ultimately does not make you happy. But we'll stay up later than we should, and we'll binge shows, and we'll drink too much, or you'll engage in a bad relationship because you're lonely, and you'll make all these decisions, and all these different things that ultimately hurt you. And so happiness is counterintuitive. And that means, and you may not believe me on this, but you cannot achieve happiness on your own. You cannot achieve it on your own. That's the third thing. And that leads to number four, which I think you've probably never heard this, but you need to be led to be happy. You need someone to lead you. All of us do because we pursue it to the detriment of ourselves. We don't actually pursue our own well-being when we're trying to be happy. And so you need to be led by others and by God. And when you have places and people in your life to lead you, it will help you be happy. Because our emotions tell us differently. 
It's hard for us. I can see what needs to be done in somebody else's life. It's harder for me because my emotions are involved. And this is not what we hear. This is not what we intuitively feel ourselves. It's not what we hear in culture. And, and, and everything will push you in the opposite direction of this. And this is why I love looking at the teachings of Christ because he is always leading us towards what matters most. And so he talked about being happy. And so the first week we read through what we call, we've labeled it as the Beatitudes, where Jesus talks about when to be happy. And so one example is Matthew 5, verses 11 to 12. It says, blessed are you when people insult you. And he's saying, blessed, this phrase, he was saying the words, really happy are those. Like you're joyful. And then he says these opposite statements from what we would think. The blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you falsely, like that's the worst kind of thing. When someone lies about you, stabs you in the back, that's kind of the worst pain. So he says, really happy are you when this happens. Why? Because of me, because of following Christ. He says, rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. When you engage in something that's eternal, that means something, you're going to run into ridicule. That's not easy. But he says, blessed are you. You are engaging in something that's deep down joyful. And this is this upside down the kingdom that God has called us to. And it's opposite. It's counterintuitive. But we're learning to trust him that these words are true. And if you're, if you're pursuing a faith or you're asking questions about who God is, that's welcome here. And, 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 and so he is leading us and we're learning to trust him. That these words are true for us. And when you look at his teaching on what it means to be happy in the Beatitudes, he's engaging your heart. It's all about our heart, what makes us happy. And he's also all, it's all about relationships. The relationships we in are really what makes us happy. You can have a ton of money and your relationships be bad and you can be miserable. You will be miserable. You're as happy as the closest person in your life. If your parents are not going through it, if they have a massive health issue, if you have an upset kid, if you've got three kids and one of them's upset, you're not happy. And so it's about relationships and you see him engaging in that. And then it's about peace. We need to be, have peace with God and peace with others. And we talked about that last week, that really being happy and joyful is being at peace with God and following Him. Peace, we believe, begins with a relationship with God. That is the first and ultimate relationship. But things get in the way of our hearts, and that's why we need to be led. And so... How do we put all of this together? How do we put all of this together? Well, this is really about priorities. And you guys are successful. You, you are killing it in your jobs and how you engage the culture here. And so you know about priorities. And so this is really about the priorities of our heart. And when you think about goals, when you think about things that are going to bring you success... We often ignore the heart. When we lead other people, when we lead children, if you're a parent and you're leading children, we're really parenting through their heart and we think about their education and what's going to make them successful and going to get them a good job and to get to a good school. But what are the things that we see derailing everybody in public at the top of their careers? It's all about heart decisions, relationship decisions. It's, it's almost always what derails somebody. 
And so that's what we need to be focused on and why we need to be led. And so this is about priorities. And so I want to help you with our heart priorities today. So before your goals, before what you define as success and all these different things, you need a plan. You need a plan to love God, to love His family. So you love God and you love others. And we, what we talk about here is we want to we love God and we want to love His family. You can engage in this church family if you're a Christ follower that you can be part of. We do that by serving with one another. We do that engaging in community. And we do that by giving in all these different ways. We love God and His family, and we love others. We love the people that we're engaging with in our life, in our neighborhood, in our work. And we love the city. We love the city. And we do all of these things in our church family. If you take steps with us, you'll be able to engage these things. And Jesus was and is for you. If you, again, to let Him lead your life, He's leading you to a place where He is for you. Listen to these words from Christ. This is found in John 10. John 10 is an amazing passage to read. He says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. So who's the thief? Well, it could be anything. There are lots of things and thieves in our lives. So it's anyone or anything whose intent is to take what you value, kill you, or destroy your life. And do you know who has the most potential to take what you value, kill you, and destroy your life? Is it the politician and the other party? <laughs> like, who is it that has the most potential it's the central figure in your latest selfie. Perhaps you've heard, or you've said this, you've heard someone say this, or you've said this, I am my own worst enemy. You ever, you ever said that or heard someone say that? And it's kind of true, right? To the detriment of ourselves, we pursue happiness to our detriment. So that's true. Like, listen, you bought it, you leased it, you smoked it, you drank it, you ate it, you dated it, slept with it, some of you married it, you know, like we did all these things, like you, you did these things, you're like, oh my goodness, right? So Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Then he continues, he says, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I love that. And in some translations, I've come that you might have a rich and satisfying life. Like it doesn't mean like rich financially. It means like rich, full of life and satisfied. Like that's amazing. This is what God, we don't typically think that that's what God wants for us, right? So like I've come that you may have life and for it to be full. Maybe you've heard that scripture before. But listen to what he says right after this. Then he says this. He says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. And the shepherd means someone who leads us. Someone who is intentional, is caring for you. 
So the shepherd of a flock of animals is someone who is there to protect them, to guide and lead them, to make sure that they're safe, that they're moving, and all these different things. And he says, I am the good shepherd. He says this, the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. What's amazing is he went and he did this. So that's good, right? In comparison to give someone, you'll be stealing. The good shepherd gives. The thief steals. The good shepherd builds. The thief destroys. The good shepherd protects us. The thief is coming to kill us. But that's interesting because he also says he's a shepherd and he's referring to sheep, right? He lays down his life for the sheep and sheep are actually known for being kind of stupid. And so that's not very encouraging to us, right? We need to be led to our own detriment. But did I mention that you smoked it, you drank it, you ate it, like you did all these things? I didn't, you did. <laughs> actually, I did, right? So that, like, we've all done stupid things. We don't want to be, we don't want to be compared to sheep, um, but we need a good shepherd. And this is, this is so important for you and I to reflect on because Jesus referred to himself this way. When it comes to being happy, you need to be led. And that's so different. We think that we just follow our heart, pursue what, you know, we just need what, what we desire. But that is not what we see Christ leading us toward. And what's interesting, the center of our, our Christian faith, or a, a big tenet of it, I would say, is shepherding. Is Jesus is the good shepherd. We are called to follow him. And you want this. God made you for this. And so his design is that he is your good shepherd. But then that wasn't the end of it. He designed for all of us to shepherd one another. And so there's this place where in our imperfect way, we are broken, sinful people, but he's not. But he has called us to shepherd one another. And our model here at DCC is a lot like that, where, where my role is to be a, a shepherd of our flock and help equip you for ministry and to shepherd one another. That's what our dinner group leaders are, are equipped to do. When we train our dinner group leaders, they're, they're someone who can shepherd one another or our leaders on our Sunday teams in different environments. And then just with you and others that you are in family with here at DCC, you can lead and shepherd one another. And when we put ourselves in community, we experience the good of that. And, and when we are individually going to our good shepherd, he's leading us as we lead one another. And we're not going to do that perfectly, and that's, and that's interesting. But that reminds us of our need for Christ. I am not perfect, and don't expect me to be. And you can just, you know, the people that are, that are with us here and that I lead, you know, I'm, I'm going to drop the ball on things. But we commit to that because that's what he's called us to. We say we don't have it all and we need each other. I am constantly pursuing shepherds in my life, elders and leaders that I meet with and see regularly every month. I need to be led just as much as anybody else. But we stray. <laughs> we stray. We stray. And so that's why, why do we, you know, why do we stray? Because at the center of this 
in our lives is really in, in the temptations that we do and the things that we chase that we regret and that lead us to brokenness and it leads us into arguments with others or leads us to be unhappy and all these things. These temptations that we have, the center really of that is this confusion about the relationship between pleasure and happiness. Now, you might define both of those together, but I think it's important to, you know, to separate them out. There's a difference between pleasure and happiness. And that really begins to put happiness in the category where Jesus leads us, where it's this deeper joy that sustains us in our life and in our soul. Now, you're created with a capacity for both. God wants you to experience both pleasure and happiness, all right? So God created sex. He made that for us to experience pleasure. Jesus made wine, and like really good wine, and a lot of it. Jesus attended parties all the time. Like they accused him. The religious leaders at the time didn't like that because he was having fun with other people. And heaven is filled with celebration and parties. You see this all the time. That's why we encourage you to throw parties here at DCC. It's something that we do. We love to engage our city and the community. One of the best ways to love this city and your neighbors is to throw a party. Above some family with three kids that rented, you know, apartment up below you for the week. You know, like, right? So just, because God loves to celebrate. You're created with a capacity for both. But you may be your own, your own worst enemy. And that goes into it. But you're not the only enemy. In earlier weeks, we talked about another thief, which is our sin. Sin in the world and your own sin. Brokenness in our relationships with others and brokenness in our relationship with God and sin, when we, when we do this, it separates you. It creates a divide. And so there's a divide between us and God. That's why we need peace with Him. That's why we need to decide to follow Him, and that is your choice. But it, it divides. It separates you from God and from others and from yourself. It is not your friend and it's subtle, and it's deceptive, and we chase it. It's coming to still kill and destroy you. It ensnares you and brings about death. And I'll read scriptures that just talk about that so clearly. We fall for these traps, and we're surprised. And you can see it coming a mile away in somebody else's life, but you can't see it in your own, on your own because we're confused and we're blinded between this relationship. It's not either or for pleasure and happiness. It's a question of priority. It's really a question of priority. Learning to put your well-being ahead of the others. It's a question of priority. Coming back to that. One thing leads to the other. However, the, in, the, in the opposite scenario, the other will undermine the one. So if you put pleasure over happiness, you'll, you'll get neither. You prioritize pleasure over happiness, you'll have neither. You'll try to please yourself, and then you're not going to be happy because it's an appetite. Whatever brings you pleasure ultimately usually is, a, is, a, is an appetite. You have to keep feeding it, and you'll need more. And it's going to come around again. And if you make that your purpose, it actually doesn't fulfill you. And you'll eventually feel empty. But putting happiness over pleasure begins to set your priorities straight. Romans 6, 16 says this. It says, don't you know 
And when someone says that, we don't. <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> don't you know? He says that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slave to the one you obey. Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or, or obedience, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or slaves to obedience, which leads to righteousness. Don't you know this? He's saying, didn't no one tell you when you offer yourselves to pleasure, you become pleasure's slave? It's an idol. It's an identity. And it won't fulfill you. And we think, you know, I can pursue my own happiness, and that's my identity, and God doesn't want me to be happy, and we, you pursue that, but you don't realize that you're actually not happy. We say that God doesn't want me to be free. I just want to be free. But you're actually walking into your own slavery. You're bound to whatever it is. You have to have an identity attached to someone or something. Your life is not fulfilled without it. And it will eventually let you down. And Paul is incredible. It's this incredible wisdom from God that we have. Paul's incredible about helping us see this. He says, he's, he's saying, but when you offer yourselves in obedience to God, you have peace with God. And peace with God paves the way to peace with ourselves and equips us to make peace with others and allows our soul to be at rest. We experience the fruit of righteousness. And this is tough because in painful, in wanting moments where you are lonely, where you're hurting, someone's hurt you, where your, your life has been disrupted, and you don't feel like, you know, it, it, you, know you don't understand what's going on. Someone, if someone broke up with you, then you're, you're experiencing a lot of pain. Or maybe you don't have a relationship and you feel lonely. You know, Valentine's Day is coming up and we are bombarded. If you're watching any kind of live TV, it's... It's uh, Albert Einstein switching to Verizon, and it's, and it's diamond commercials, like, right? So you're just reminded of this, and then you get you hurt. And then when we are wanting, <laughs> when we're wanting, we make decisions. When you're really hungry, and you go out to eat, and, like, you spend a ton of money, right? Like, we need to be careful in those moments because you begin to sow into your future, and so we need to learn to decide to sow into happiness because whatever we're sowing into becomes, we become its slave. We, be, we, we are bound to it. And so we're learning to sow into happiness. And this is what it means to prioritize happiness over pleasure. Happiness isn't going to be immediate. You can find, you know, quick fixes, right? But deep, longing happiness, we sow into that. We build into it. We invest. Many of you are in finance here. We, learn, we understand investing. We're investing into our hearts, not just trying to make ourselves feel better. And this is why we need to be led. We need others in our life. We need catch points. I know that like, if I'm going down a tough road or a, a, a dark path, that I'm going to encounter someone in the next week or two that's going to ask me about my heart. It's going to lead me into these places and help me. And I love having those catch points, having people around me. Listen to this scripture. In Galatians 6, 7, and 9, it says, it says this. It says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death 
from that sinful nature. Now remember, God wants you to be happy. He's made you for pleasure. But when we sow into this as our identity, it's different. It turns into sin. When we live to satisfy that, it leads to decay and death. And this is a law, and you can observe this in your own life if you don't believe me or watch others. But he says this, But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. But this isn't easy. This is why he says this next. He says, So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Pursuing happiness is not always going to be what you want. And we, got, we need the strength to take hard steps and to say no and to put pleasure at bay for what's good for us. And you need others in your life to be part of this. We need the grace of God, because we're going to mess up and blow it. There are things that you feel like you condemn you, but that's the beauty of Christ, that at the moment of condemnation, he came to take that. We need that kind of grace, that kind of love, so we can learn to walk away from condemnation and get up again. And we can get up not because we're good, but because he's good. And that's beauty. And we're learning what it means to really be happy. To take the hard steps. It doesn't sound right. It doesn't feel right. But those are the steps that lead you toward a greater story. Something that's more fulfilling. James. James was an early leader in the church has incredible words. He says this. He says, The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. These are things that, like, that build into life, that bring joy. He says, Peacemakers who sow in peace Reap a harvest of righteousness. So happiness is really about sowing and taking steps into things that aren't always immediate. But we will reap. And we'll need to trust God with this. And there's times where you feel like that's not going to happen. And there are empty periods and all those things. And it's easy to let go, and sometimes we do. We're going to come back and come back and sow and sow, and we'll see the harvest of this. And in greater quantities. And you were invited into that. So this year, do you have a plan? And your plans to engage God. Take small steps. If you don't do this often... 
Maybe take a step in community. Serve on a team here on Sunday or join us at the sharing place each month as a first step in serving or join a dinner group. There are things that we can do to begin to engage with one another. And then, you know, in pursuing God, we can help you take steps. Being in community or reading, reading scripture or learning to pray, all those different things. How can you include God into your life and your plan? You need a good shepherd. And we need others around us to shepherd us. I believe if you make that a priority in your life this year, you'll begin to experience what Christ has promised us. And we can be happy. Let's pray together. Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you for your words. This the life, the, how full the scriptures are with instructions that lead us towards real joy. And I pray for us this year as we continue to live our lives that we would trust you. We would trust the teachings that you say that aren't easy to hear, that your words are true and have come to bring us life. And I pray that we would take steps of faith and experience what you've called us to. In the good and in the bad. And that we will praise you and love you and others in this city well. I thank you for this. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.